Hello and welcome to episode 686 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR and the 2023 NFL regular season is indeed over. Yes, that's right. The final full slate wrapped up Sunday, which as always, you know, was bittersweet for me. You know, yes, of course, I'm burnt out and sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, walking around on rabid tilt all the time because some football player didn't do what I thought he would do. You know, it's not healthy. It's not healthy to be quote unquote out with friends or family and actually be thinking about if our LaMichael P. Ryan for CEH split for tomorrow is right. You know, it's not healthy to be sitting there all day Sunday living and dying with every play because you want to win so bad. So from that perspective, yeah, that that's the sweet part, you know, try to live a healthier life in the off season mentally and physically. But of course, it's also bitter because it's so fucking fun. Like come March, I'll be wishing I was back in the streets, ready to battle, trying to figure out what's going to happen better than my opponents. It's just always a catch 22. Always grass is greener stuff going on, not just with NFL or DFS or NFL best ball or season long or props or any just really in anything in life. It's just always a struggle for me to be happy in the moment, even when you know you'll miss something when it's gone. So yeah, at least for me. Anyways, in terms of results, certainly was not my best year. I lost 1.95% in cash. Previously, my worst year ever was up 3.52%. My best years were 2018, 2019, won 22% and 21% respectively in those years. Uh, 2021, I won 12% on really big volume. So yeah, to lose 1.95% is frustrating. I know everyone or maybe no one cares, but I'm sure people are curious why or why I think why. Obviously, I've been thinking about this a lot. The easy answer, of course, is simply, well... The games are harder now. And while I'm sure that's true, I actually don't think that's it for me because I play almost exclusively head-to-head for cash and people show up with the most insane stuff you'd ever see in your entire life. So I, I, for me personally, I don't think that's it. I simply think I just played bad a ton of weeks. You know, I don't track this exactly, even though I should, but it, it just seemingly felt like I got every... 1v1, 2v2, 3v3 wrong. You know, certainly felt like I got 80% or more of those wrong. And yeah, you can say, well, you know, those are all super close. It's random. It's coin flippy. You ran bad. That's what a coward would say. You know, that's what a loser would say. I I pride myself on getting those right. And I didn't this season, you know, and our projections have been better than they've ever been. The action I'm getting, as I just said, I think is as good as it's ever been. So yeah, man, no excuses. No one cares. Uh, it's about results. So yeah, I, I did find it funny that so many people or not so many people, a, a fistful of people were up in arms about me shifting a bunch of my action to FanDuel. Like I got news for you. I play for money. I, I know it sounds like a hardo thing to say, but to paraphrase the great Joey Kanish, I'm not playing for the thrill of fucking victory here. You know, not playing for fame or cloud or notoriety if i wanted that i would just enter 150 into all the lottos you know lose massively but maybe i'd get a huge score one day and and be famous and get all the gpp bro clout you know 
So I guess my point is that if I think my expectation is better on FanDuel or in three mans or in not playing double ups or, or whatever, that's what I'm going to do. It's insane to me that anyone would do otherwise. You know, people not understanding that are just telling on themselves that they've never actually had to gamble for real money. So anyway, I'm going to think about all this more over the offseason, work on perhaps a revamped plan for game selection next year. One thing I wanted to touch on from week 18 was all the incentive stuff. And yeah, a few years ago, there was an edge here. Books weren't really on top of it. They put up lines for player pops um, without being aware that Rob Gronkowski needed six catches for a million and Tom Brady was going to get it for him. But as always happens in markets, things are now more efficient. I mean, ESPN, CBS, a zillion other people, like big media platforms were publishing articles and talking about contract incentives and tweeting about it even before week 17. Forget about week 18. So the sports betting bros with their panties in a bunch because everyone talking about incentives now, I don't really get that. It's just such an entitled thing. No one is entitled to any edge. It's the same thing every time in these disputes. Everyone is looking out for number one for themselves as they should, and it's war out there. I just can't take the whining. It's unreal. Anyways, I I didn't want to get riled up today. I really wanted to just come on and give some thank yous and get to some listener questions, which I'll do in a minute here. So for thank yous, obviously, Evan and I are the people that you all know best because we're the ones that are on the most shows and on the most podcasts. And I know this is super cliche to say, but the people behind the scenes deserve so much more recognition than we do. Everyone on the projections team. Luke and everyone on the podcast team, all our YouTube guys, the data science guys, Jackson and Josh and the editors, customer support guys, the teams that make the jokes and the spoof videos that are so fun, you know, all the graphics guys, I I could keep going. And I know the audience doesn't really know these people, but you really should. These guys are all amazing. Love them all. So thanks to all of you guys. Appreciate you. Almost as importantly, thank you to all of you, the people who listened to this. Last week, I talked a little bit about how bad a place I was in mentally when both my kids were really young. I I didn't really think too much of it, really, other than I was praying that my kids never heard that, you know, feel like it's their fault, end up emotionally damaged, and in therapy for the rest of their lives. But anyway, in the days after the solo pod last week, when I talked about that, I got a fistful of DMs from guys, you know, thanking me for talking about it, you know, help them realize their experience is not unique, that having young kids is really, really fucking brutal mentally and physically. So, um, and, it, you know, it, it seems like nothing, but messages like that mean so much to me because I often think like, the fuck am I doing with my life? I'm wasting it telling dick jokes on the internet and gambling, but hearing from people that we're actually helping them with real life stuff um, you know, means a ton. In some ways, for you know, for a lot of people who have been listening to this when I first started doing solo pods, which was around 2014 or 2015, in some ways it feels like we kind of grew up together. A lot of us were poker guys. We all got married. We all had kids. We're all going Ubaldo Jimenez. We're all going through full-blown MLCs now, aka midlife crises. And that's connecting for sure, you know, just wild to think about. So anyways, Thanks so much to everyone for listening all year. We're able to do this stuff for a quote unquote job, which really doesn't seem fair to the people who have real jobs. And that's because of you guys. So 
Thanks so much for listening. All right. Need to get to listener questions, but before I do, reminder that the 2024 golf season got underway last week. The second event, the Sony, locks Thursday morning. If you're interested in playing DFS golf, we have annual monthly and weekly subscription options available. Our projections are powered by Rufus Peabody, inarguably one of the most successful golf bettors of the last decade. Ownership projections we track are the best in the industry. I personally love playing. It's so fun. So check out details in the golf tab on EstablishTheRun.com. All right, enough is enough. It's time for everyone's favorite portion of the program, the listener questions. Producer Luke, hit the theme music. All right, appreciate the questions from everyone. Going to get to five today. Save the rest for perhaps an off-season solo pot. Question one from Proptology. He says, our fantasy league's punishment has been a loser tattoo. Wear a dress in public with a sign or quit the league for nine years. We need something more intense for the league's 10th year. What would you suggest? So I've gotten this question so many times you know, dozens of times. And I never answer it because I don't really have any great ideas for last place punishments in fantasy leagues. I I don't want to suggest anything that I wouldn't do myself. I'm not getting a tattoo because I lost my fantasy league. I'm not spending the day in a dress. You know, that that stuff is cliche, uh, stupid in my opinion. But I did have an idea recently. Whoever gets last place in your fantasy league has to get a colonoscopy with no anesthesia. And it serves two purposes. First, it will be so funny. You know, all your boys in the waiting room, waiting for your buddy's colon to be scoped, bring some beers, maybe a little hibachi grill. And second, it's good for the last place person. It's good for the loser. This isn't like a tattoo or 6, 12, 18, 24, you know, stuff that isn't great for your health. Colon cancer is the third leading cause, third leading kind of cancer death. But it's also the most preventable. You know, it just, all you have to do is get colonoscopies and you'll catch it early. So yeah. Two birds with one stone here, proptology. We get laughs in the last place loser. You know, maybe we're saving his life. Question two from Crunchy Peanut Butter. Not sure if you've discussed the Circa Chop yet, but curious your thoughts on what your mindset would be if you were still alive in week 17 slash 18. For those of you who don't know, Circa ran this massive survivor contest this year was a 1K buy-in total prize pool, 9.27 million. Insanity. Um, they got down to like 13 people, tried to negotiate a chop. The last 13 people did. Someone said no. I think it was that clown, uh, Sean Perry. And they played on. And the final four ended up chopping it. I think it was before week 17, they chopped the survivor uh, for 2.3 million each. So yeah, chops are nuanced. It's not clear to me, like, you can't just have a blanket statement. There's so many factors. Maybe I wanted to chop with 13 left because 700K would completely change my life. Maybe I have backers who won't let me chop. Maybe I swapped with people, and so I don't even have a ton of myself here. Maybe I have better teams left in this survivor than my opponents. Maybe I have worse teams left. In the case of Sean Perry, maybe I owe so many people and allegedly have cheated so many people in the poker world that 700K isn't a start on my debt. You know, better off going for fame and then turning it into a pick selling business. So for me personally, I'd be exploring 
hedge options before I chopped. In other words, I could put myself in a really good spot. Let's say that an extreme example. I knew 12 other people were taking a team in week 17 that was 60% to win. And then I would take a team that's 53% to win or something, and I'd be the only one with them. I mean, that is massively printing EV. And then I can also take a pretty big hedge position against my team. So when it's that late in the season, I think week 17, 18, you can do more with hedging smartly than chopping. But I have no idea if that's right. That's just kind of my thought. I I never really played a ton of poker tournaments when I was playing poker, mostly played cash. But there was one tournament up at Parks. I was a chip leader with like eight people left and someone proposed an ICM chop. And I agreed. And I don't really know why I agreed. You know, at the time I was telling myself we were all getting short and there was going to be a ton of luck. But I really think I agreed it because at the time it was just a lot of money for me. And I didn't really want to risk something bad happening and me getting seventh or eighth for dust when I was a chip leader with eight people left. A few years later, I was in a similar spot, you know, chip leader at the final table of some sugar house, like 1K or something, there, 1500, maybe a, a first Philly Open or whatever they called it. Someone proposed a chop at the final table. And I just said, no, thanks. You know, I just felt more confident in my financial situation. And that's not math or a correct way to think about it all. But I think people are lying to themselves if that stuff doesn't seep in. Question three from Vito. He says, cash game king is a great bit. What is your least favorite marketing bit, bit adjacent thing you see regularly? Oh man, if you guys didn't see, old friend of the show, Peter Overzet, aka The Mans, did his annual cash game king bit last week. It's really a great bit. You know, he's trying to make fun of cash game bros. I'll get to that in a second. Best part though, is that people think he's going to show up with some off the wall lineup as part of the bit. Of course, he just, played the ETR optimal, you know, scooped up 14% or whatever in profits. It was a great week for our optimal. And, and yeah, you know, he moved on. Now the GPP bros who spend most of their time telling everyone they were only a two V two away from a million, you know, counting their Sklansky bucks instead of actual dollars, you know, GPP bros who are quote unquote playing well, but don't have a winning slate for weeks or months, you know, them lashing at the cash game bros. That's a rich bit. But anyways, cash game King is such a good bit. As for Vito's question, in terms of my least favorite marketing bit or bit adjacent stuff, I'd first say that the best bits are the ones where you don't really know if it's a joke. Like, there's still some doubt if this dude is really being serious or if he's just doing a joke. That's an awesome bit. The Gender Labs one that I did worked so well in that sense, especially in normal settings. Like, I'd just be out with random people and I'd tell them that I have an R&D team in South Asia that has helped me get my clients the desired gender of their baby through sexual positioning. I mean, if you do it right with a straight face and the right tone, it's so good. So good. As for bits I don't like, I don't even know their bits, but the transparent stuff is just the worst. You know, if you go out there and you tweet, uh, what's your toughest start sit decision of the week? Or what did you think Arthur Smith going ham? On, uh, what do you think of Arthur Smith going ham on Dennis Allen? You know, press like for yes and slam retweet for no. I mean, Jesus Christ, that stuff is so pathetic, you know? Anything that's not not authentic uh, or funny, uh, I'm going to hate. Question four from Off the Cuff, he says, how much tougher are $5 head-to-heads versus $1 head-to-heads? What about 5 to 10? Assuming the process is the same, would someone successful at $1 head-to-heads notice a major difference in win rate if moving to the $5 stake? 
I think very little difference at those levels. And that's both anecdotal from what I've seen and in my historical data. Uh, I don't think I'm representative of everyone, but my lifetime ROI from $2 to 109 is roughly flat. At $2, $3, 5 10 20 50 109 my ROI at all those buckets is around 8 to 11 or between 8 to 11%. The drop-off happens at 215 plus. My lifetime ROI at 215 plus is around 6 to 7%. 6 to 7%. So, yeah, the ability to scale a single head-to-head lineup is obviously a huge feature of DFS. I think if you're successful at low stakes, um, you should be fine as you move up. Question five from Craig. He says, you refer to your portfolio of tickets in the awards market quite a bit. Can you explain how it's profitable to be holding so many tickets in the same betting market? It seems like you're bound to have a lot of dead money by firing so much. Yeah, I didn't have a great year in awards markets. I got onto some dead stuff early and then ended up with more tickets in a market than I'd like. So I totally know what you mean, Craig. But I do want to be clear that the idea of a portfolio is to get a ton of plus EV bets. And not only that, but get them at as long prices as possible. So maybe I have eight tickets in the coach of the year market, which is a ton, but they're all 30 to one or longer. If I bet 100 on each, let's say, max loss is $800. And obviously you can win one of the bets for 3K for a net of 2,200. So for example, this year, I got a bunch of Devin Witherspoon defensive rookie of the year in around plus 400, I think it was. Became clear he's dead. But I'm not dead in the market. I was looking for some more plus EV spots. I wanted to fade Jalen Carter as the Eagles defense was collapsing. He was getting benched. Will Anderson was 40 to one there a few weeks ago. If you read Ryan's article, he picked that one off there. And, you know, I got some of that 40 to one in defensive rookie of the year. And then now that I have the 40 to one, and I think that Jalen Carter, or I, I my bet is that Jalen Carter is out of it. Kobe Turner was the only other option. He was plus 750 just last week. So I got some more of that, you know, and it's not ideal to have three guys here, but especially with one at plus 750 and one at plus 400, but you know, still a good chance to profit. Man, the one I'm most frustrated with is I took a bath on comeback player of the year, wanted to fade DeMar Hamlin. So just took a ton of guys at crazy long numbers. Brees Hall, 100 to one, you know, Cooper Cup was like 40, Tua was 30 something. Sam Darnold's, I took so many. And now it looks like either Hamlin or Flacco is going to win. Um, all that said, I still think awards markets in the NFL is one of the softest markets in the NFL. Um, the team by, uh, I mean, I got Puka Nakua 180 to one to be offensive player of the year after week two. It's not going to hit, but you can find some incredibly live long shots. You know, Joe Flacco was 100 to one or 151 like a month ago. Will Anderson, I mentioned as examples. So those are just crazy plus EV long shots that, you won't find in many other NFL markets, which are so picked over and have so many eyes on them. All right. That is going to do it for the final solo pod of the 2023-24 NFL season. Team by team pods with Silva will continue through the Super Bowl. Look for this week's on Wednesday afternoon. If you're playing the best ball, the playoff best ball, Monday's podcast with Herzig is a must. And I'd also note that we are on normal content schedule for NFL for in-season subscribers. As well, stay tuned to Discord and Twitter for updates there on Showtimes. For producer Luke, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.